you got your Bible, open up to the book of Genesis. You guys know where we're at. We've been here in a series. This is the sixth week that we've been in Genesis. And so if you have your Bible, open up to Genesis 12. I am really, really excited about this. When you get to Genesis 12, say, I'm there, Joey. All right, if you see it on the screen, say, I see it, Joey. Oh, okay, I just put you guys all on the spot because it wasn't up there yet. That's all right. All right, so uh, right before we jump in here, let me give you a little bit of recap. We're talking about Abraham today. So we've been in a series on Genesis, and in this series, we've been talking about God's story with the world. This is a series called The Story of God, and the reason we're talking about the story of God is because this story is not just some myth or some tale from a long time ago. We're talking about the world's story because it's the one true story about this planet, about the globe, about everybody who's in it, and therefore, it's your story and my story too. And what happens is if we do not know God's story, we will end up living somebody else's story. We'll end up embracing one of the world's stories. And so in this series, we've been talking about who is God? Who is the world? What does it mean to be a human being? And so we talked about how God made the world. It was good. It was holy. It was sacred. The whole thing was, was right and beautiful. We talked about how you and I as human beings made in God's image. We were given dominion over the world. That God took some, some dust from the ground and he breathed into it a measure of his spirit, his, his ruah, his breath, his wind. And that's how you and I came to be. And God gave us leadership over his world. Now, you and I know what happens. It doesn't take us long. About three seconds into the story, what do we do? We mess it up. And so Adam and Eve, they give their dominion, their leadership to the serpent, to the enemy of our souls, and the world falls into sin. And what we've seen at every step in this series is you and I as human beings finding all kinds of ways to mess it up, and God, at every step of the way, promising to bring redemption. We saw with Cain and Abel this, this tragedy. We see through the story of the flood that all of humanity went astray, and it, it just looks like God's story has gotten off track. Now, in Genesis 11, I, I, I tried to, to work in a sermon about the Tower of Babel, but, but I couldn't do it. So here's my 60-second my Babel sermon. You ready for it? We, as human beings, once again rebelled against the Lord. The whole uh, group of humanity came together. We built a city and a tower called Babel or Babylon, same thing. In Babylon, throughout the Bible, many of you were here for our Daniel series, Babylon, throughout the Bible, becomes the picture of all the corrupt systems in the world that are against God. And so what God does is he, he sees this city and this tower, and he comes down and he divides their languages so they don't understand each other, and he scatters humanity all over the world. And so if you're reading Genesis 1 through 11, it looks like the story is wildly off track. God, in his grace and mercy, gave us free will, and that seemed like a bad idea for him. Like, hey, God, thanks for this free will. I'm going to run the opposite direction for the rest of my life. Like, that's, that's what happened. 
We just see it over and over and over again. We see it with Adam and Eve. We see it in the generation of Noah and again in the generation of, of Babel or Babylon. So when you get to Genesis 12, it's like, all right, God, I hope you have something good coming. And guess what? He does. Then no matter how far you and I run, no matter how bad you and I mess up the story, we've seen every step of the way that God has a plan for redemption. So there's a theme statement that we've talked about every week, and you'll see it on the screen here. I had, the, had them put the verses up too early. I know, I get a little bit excited. Main theme, this is our God's world, and the God who made the world will save the world. So here's, here's why this matters, because when you get to Genesis 12, the story of God takes a massive turn. It's this whole new chapter, not just from Genesis 11 to 12, but the whole story of God turns a chapter. And here's why. In Genesis 12, God calls a man named Abram, who he renames Abraham. And the crazy thing is, if you understand the Abraham story, you'll actually understand the whole Old Testament. And here's why. Genesis 1 through 11 is all about the globe. God creates the whole thing. The first humans mess it up. The whole generation of Noah, God gives the world a giant bath because it was dirty. In the whole story with Babel, it's the whole world coming together to rebel against him. But here's the thing. I know this is a lot of setup, but stay with me here. In Genesis 12, guess what happens? God calls a guy named Abraham, and from Genesis 12 to Malachi 4, the entire Old Testament is about this one guy and his family. That's like, that's a big change. We went from talking about the globe to the whole planet to talking about this one guy and his family. All right, so Genesis 12.1, we're going to actually read some Bible here and make this a real sermon. So Genesis 12.1, Yahweh said to Abram, go from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt, and notice this here, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So here we see Genesis 12, the story of God takes a radical turn, it's a totally new chapter, and, it, and, and if you don't understand this story, the whole Old Testament is like, well, why is God just talking to these one people? Why is God just have this one nation? And here, with the call of Abraham, we see the story of God take a dynamic turn where God sees the world, he gave us human beings free will because love always involves a choice. And again and again, humanity chooses to push back against the Lord, push back against his good and his wise way. And so what we see here with the call of Abraham is that God looks out on the nations of the world. He sees the planet. He sees that everyone has gone astray. And God chooses one man, and through him, his family, and through his family, his nation. And this nation is going to be the beginning of God redeeming the world. This family is going to be the beginning of God's story of salvation. And so when we talk about salvation, when we talk about missions, when we talk about God's plan to rescue broken people, it all comes back to Genesis 12. When God calls a man, he calls him out 
of his father's country, out from his relatives. And there's this call to be different, this call to be set apart. And all who follow after him are going to be set apart too. See, God is not content that when his world got messed up, he decided to give up on it halfway. God is not the kind of God who gives up on what he starts. That you and I, we chose to reject God, we chose to push him away. And here's kind of the crazy thing. Most of the judgment of God in the Bible is actually God just giving us what we want, which is separation from him. And the crazy thing is, when we're separate from him, things don't go so well for some reason. It's like we were made for him or something. And when you and I reject him again and again, I'm telling you, the the judgment of God most of the time in the Bible is God like, okay, you want to do your own thing? Here you go. C.S. Lewis has this, um, this line. It's not on the screen. He says there's only two kinds of people on judgment day. People who say to God, thy will be done, or people who say, my will be done. And here's what he says about hell. It's interesting. He says the only kind of people in hell are people who God gave them exactly what they wanted, which is separation from him. And most of us, we envision hell as all this, you know, sort of crazy stuff. And most of our ideas about hell come from some medieval poets who made up some crazy stories about hell. You know what makes hell hell? The worst part of it is that he's not there. And that we are totally separated from God. And so what happens in Genesis 11 with the Tower of Babel is God lets the nations go their own way. They all adopt their own idols, their own gods. They they reject the Lord. But you see, as I was saying to you, and as we've seen every part of the story so far, God is committed, yes, to giving us free will, yes, to giving us what we want, But what we see here is that in the grace and in the love of God, he pursues us, he chases us down, he runs after those who are lost, those who have rejected him, and he ends up saving us by his grace, even though we don't deserve it at all. And so God calls a man named Abraham because this family, this nation, the Israelites, they are going to be this light to the nations. They're going to be these separate ones, these called out ones. And so God tells Abraham, get out of your father's country, leave your relatives, leave your father's house, and go to this land that I will show you. That's what the call of God is like. Leave everything else behind. It's not just, hey, follow these rules, hey, show up at church on Sunday so you can listen to some bald guy talk to you for a little while. It's not just, hey, you know, stop cussing people out in traffic. Come on now. Some of you were like, that's too close to home, Pastor. (laughs) The call of Abraham is a call to leave everything else behind and go on an adventure with the Lord. Now, here's the thing. We don't like that. We like to hold on to our stuff. We like to hold on to the things that we know, to the things that we're comfortable with. And sometimes, if we're honest, following Jesus feels kind of hard and feels kind of tiring. And sometimes we we like our sin a little bit too much. And I want to challenge you this morning. You don't have to leave everything behind. You get to. 
I know we have this mindset of like, oh, I just gotta, I gotta leave all this stuff and following Jesus is hard. And, and let me tell you, friend, your stuff isn't that great anyways. You get to leave your mess and you get his life. You get to leave your dysfunction and you get his wholeness. You get to leave your brokenness and your addiction and your bondage and you get the freedom that comes from following God. I know we see like it's just this, oh, it's this big sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice, it's the better deal. You got to leave your whole life, which was worth about five cents, and you won the lottery of the gospel. Get out of your your country. Get out from your relatives, from your father's house. Go to this this new place that I will show you. It's this sense of leaving everything behind to become part of God's story with the world. And that's why we're talking about this series, the, the story of God. Because some of you, you only see your life in terms of your own individual story. Maybe it's the story of your family or the story of your career and how you're trying to work your way up the ladder, or your, your story of whatever it is. Whether it's even the story of this city or the story of this nation, it's not big enough. There's a bigger story. It's a story where God is inviting the world to become part of this saving, healing, redemption that he has in store for it. That's the story. I want to zoom in here on verse 2 and 3. He says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Here's what I want you to see here. God's solution to the curse of sin is not some vague, abstract blessing. God doesn't just say, well, the world, creation has this curse, so I'll just bless it. Here's what he says. He says, I'm going to bless you, and through you, I will bless the world. So God's solution to a world under the curse is not a blessing, it's a blessed people. And through the blessed people, the nations will be blessed. And here's why this matters. You and I, we were part of God's story with the world from the beginning. Genesis 1, made in my image, take dominion. That's the authority that we have. And even though we gave it up, God didn't give up on us. Even though we rejected the call, rejected the command, rejected the gift, God says that you and I as human beings are at the center of his story with the world. And so in the same way, that you and I were part of the world being messed up, guess what? We get to be part of the world being saved. That God gave us dominion, he made us in his image and in his likeness, and when you left everything to follow the call of God, you didn't just get something for you, you joined the story again. You got your dominion back. You were remade in the image and in the likeness of God. And so in the same way that we were part of the problem, now you and I get to be part of the solution. Now, not to get too far ahead of myself here, but the New Testament tells us that if you're in Christ, you are Abraham's descendant. Galatians 3, Ephesians 2, Romans 4. Or in the words of the Sunday school song that I sang, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. 
I am one and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Come on now. That's it. Don't make, listen, don't make me sing it. Now listen. If I sing it, there will literally be three people here next week. And it will be me, Kelly, and Zachariah. So, so we're not going to sing it. But, but that's good theology. That if you and I are in Christ, we are Abraham's offspring. We are part of the call. We are part of the family. So you and I, we've been brought in to this Abrahamic family to be part of God's plan to save the world. Here's how N.T. Wright puts it, New Testament scholar. He says, we are not saved from the world. We are saved for the world. I love that. I love this idea that, that Abraham, the blessing on your life, It's not about you and Israel having a wonderful time while all the nations go astray. God has called you so that you can be an agent of his blessing to the nations. So what's on Israel is not about Israel. What's on Israel is not so that they can be the best and the brightest and the top when everybody else is suffering. The blessing was supposed to be on Israel and then through Israel to the world. And and you see, this is the calling that you and I have as believers. The problem is we dream too small. Our dreams are too centered on ourselves. Bill Johnson from Bethel, he says, don't dream in a vacuum. And I love that. That we think, well, well, here's what I can do. Here's what Joey's good at. And let me me do what makes Joey happy. And and here's what, what Pastor Jim's good at. And here's what Josiah's good at. And here's the thing. What it looks like is different for everybody, but we all share the same calling. You know what it is? To be part of the Abrahamic family, to see nothing less than the salvation of the planet. That's your calling, to see the blessing of God come to cities and nations, to see the power of God's glory cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Your calling, my calling, it's nothing less than the redemption of the cosmos, that all of creation made new in Jesus Christ. That's your calling. That's your purpose. Now, 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 my assignment looks different from your assignment, but it's all built on that same story. It's all part of that same purpose. Church, your calling is not about you. It's really not. And I knew I wasn't going to get any amens on that one. That's okay. Abraham is not blessed so that he can kick back nice and happy while the world suffers. Believe it or not, your calling has nothing to do with you. Your calling is so that God can move through you to the nations. And the problem is, in our self-centered and individualistic culture, we don't like people telling us what to do. I mean, this is what America's built on. We got rid of the king because we want to do what we wanted. We don't want a tyrant over us. We want to be free. We want to be independent. It's the American dream. Anybody can be whoever they want to be. You don't have to be who your, your parents were, who your grandparents were. You can strike out on your own and start a new life. And that's not all bad. Don't get me wrong. The problem is we bring this mindset into the church that we see the gifts that God has given us, the abilities, the call of God in our life, and we think it's all about how you and I can build our own reputation, our own, bl- our own brand, our own platforms. 
And so our calling becomes isolated. It becomes inward focused. It becomes how can I fulfill myself instead of how can God use me to bless the nations? And this this mindset has crept its way into the church where instead of now building the kingdom of God, we want to build our own personal kingdoms. We want to build our own name. And and you see, here's the thing here from, from the Tower of Babel. They said, let us make a name for ourselves. But you see, God says to Abraham, I will give you a name. I will make your name great. And this mindset's not just in the church with Christians. Even pastors have it. That there's pastors who who care more about their reputation and they care about the big stage and the lights and the platform and they don't care about Jesus' sheep. And you see, God is looking for a people who, yes, know their gifts, know their worth, know the anointing that's on their lives, but they know that it's not about them. And they partner with this, this call of Abraham, this family of Abraham, to be part of God's redemption of the globe. That's why we call this church City Alive. Not so that you and I can feel really good on Sunday mornings while the world is suffering. No, listen, you and I, we are brought into the family so that the blessing can be on us, in us, and then through us to the city, to your neighbors. I know some of you are like, Joey, you don't know my neighbors. You don't know my coworkers. You don't know, the, you don't know my, my family. You don't know my, my relatives. We see, this is, this is the blessing of God that rests on his people. Abraham, you are called out. You are called to be blessed. You are called to be separate so that you can bless nations. Now, I need to to wrap this up here. For those of you who've been coming every week to City Alive, you've been hearing me preach this Story of God series, you'll not be surprised to find that I think this passage is all about Jesus. I know, some of you are just wildly caught off guard about that. The whole Bible is all about Jesus. Now, to give you a 10,000-foot overview of the Old Testament, let me, let me spoil the story for you. Guess what? Israel doesn't get it right. Israel goes along just like all the other nations. The Gentile nations is what they were called. And so just like all the nations who went astray, Israel, over and over again, fails to be the light to the nations. They were called to be a kingdom of priests, showing the world what God is like. God's redemption plan for the globe to be the blessed people and through them God could bless the world. And again and again we see the story seems like it's off track. The Israelites don't quite get it right. They, they don't quite fulfill that calling. Now, now when you, you finish the Old Testament, there's this sense of like, what, what happened to Genesis 12? What happened to the call of Abraham? God said that Abraham and his descendants, they would bless the nations. Abraham's descendants were supposed to be the one that got the story back on track from the the curse of Adam and Eve and the brokenness of humanity in the days of Noah and the the brokenness of humanity in the Tower of Babel. And and I, I, I thought there was this family. I thought there was this plan. And you open up to the, the first page of your New Testament, and guess what you find? You find a guy named Matthew. 
and he opens his book with a big, long family tree. And there's all kinds of messed up people in there. And if you read the Old Testament, you know these aren't like people with just a little bit of stuff on the side. This is like a messed up family, kind of like your family. I won't say my family because a lot of them are here, and we don't want to offend them. I'm the only one. My family's perfect. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What we see is Matthew opens up this big, long family tree, and guess what he does? He starts with Abraham, and he goes right to Jesus. And here's why that matters. The New Testament over and over again is telling us that the promise that God made to Abraham is about to be fulfilled. That God's righteous remnant who's supposed to be the one to make a difference, who's supposed to be the one to turn this thing around. At every page of the Old Testament, it looks like we're losing more of them. It looks like the remnant's falling apart. Now, the problem is, not only is God trying to save the world, he has to save his rescuers who are supposed to save the world. Now, there's no one left, except for this one young Jewish prophet named Jesus from a town in Galilee called Nazareth. And the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell us that, that Jesus is the one. He's, he's the descendant of Abraham that we've been waiting for. He's the one that's going to get God's story back on track. He's not only going to save the world, but he's got to save Israel too. And so he's going to save his rescuers. He's going to save them, and through them, the nations will be changed. Here's what Ephesians 2 says. You'll see it on the screen. At that time, you Gentiles were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 17, he came and proclaimed the good news of peace to those who were far away, that's the Gentiles, and peace to those who are near, that's Israel. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. Here it is right here, Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. He is the descendant of Abraham who will save Israel and the world. And through him, the nations are blessed. Through him, God's story gets back on track. God sees the curse of sin, the wickedness of humanity, our rebellion, our pushing God away. And in Jesus Christ, the story of God changes. In Jesus Christ, the story of God is back on track. And we can come to God, not because we've been righteous, but because He's righteous. Not because we did everything right, but because He did everything right. Not because you and I are experts at our own stories. We got our stories way off track. And yet through Jesus, the descendant of Abraham... He has proclaimed peace to those who are far away. I can't speak for everybody here. I can speak for myself. I was far away.
and yet through the blood of Christ brought near, through the good news of peace proclaimed by Jesus brought near, included in the family, brought in to the citizenship. And now you and I, and I have a feeling many of you, you're, you're followers of Jesus in this room. You're brought into the family. What do we do now? What's the story now? Where's, where's God's story now? Here's where it is. You and I, we're now brought into the family so that we can become part of his mission to save the world. God saved us so we can be his saving people for the planet. God rescued us so we can be his rescuing people. Let me tell you, this, this world, it's not in a good place. And you didn't need to show up on Sunday morning to find that out. That our, our cities are broken, our, our neighborhoods are broken. This nation and this world, it's broken. And God's solution since Genesis 12, thousands of years, has been a blessed people. That's the solution to a broken world. That's the solution to the curse of sin. A blessed people through whom he blesses the world.